It is Tuesday once again. That means 256th episode of the Parish of the Patriots. I'm glad to be here. Hopefully you are too. I assume most of you are returning members of the congregation. But if you happen to be new, for whatever reason you stumbled on there, (laughs) you won't regret it. Stick through the whole thing. We have fun discussions. And even if it isn't that great, go listen to last week's or the week before. You'll find a show that doesn't suck. But whatever, we do have a Christian-specific show. Uh, we do have a Christian-specific segment. That's roughly the halfway point of the show, very roughly, but roughly. Stick around for that. Don't be sitting there going, I ain't going to be listening to Jesus stuff. It's things that will help you. Give it a shot. It costs you 30 minutes of your life. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. I have people, I hear from people, and they say, you know, I really ain't into all that religion stuff. I'm kind of a non-believer. But I still enjoy the Christian-specific segment. So listen to their testimony. Give it a shot. It's, 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 you'll, you'll get something out of it. If you do get something out of it, I ask you to drop something in the plate. I've got, we've gone totally low-tech here, the Parish of the Patriots. Look down there. I'm just snail mailing now. Don't, <laughs> do not currently have my crypto addresses up there. I'm seeing how just the snail mail does. My addresses are still good, by the way. I had somebody drop some Bitcoin uh the other day and and that's all well and good i mean it's it's just i've lost my means to cash it out right now and yes i know i could go through all the hoops again because i live in the u.s and they make you go through all these hoops to cash it out because i could be a drug kingpin or some other silly shit but (laughs) i had to fill out all this paperwork and crap and i really am, am, am tired of doing that so i'm kind of doing this whole thing i'm seeing like if i could just move everything into snail mail it's the ultimate you have to think of it correctly don't think of it as, but it's a pain in the ass to fill out an envelope and put a stamp on it, GPD. Don't think of it like that. Think of it like this. It's the ultimate privacy coin. <laughs> it's the ultimate privacy coin. You you just you just do an envelope in the mail. It's the ultimate privacy coin. There's no blockchain trackers. They just 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 it's the ultimate privacy coin. It's actually low tech is now the new high tech. You have to think of it like that. So far, it's been um, less than stellar results, though, with my experiment. GPD, dough for the show. This is the listener supporter mailbag, by the way. GPD, dough for the show, Mr. T. Thank you, Mr. T. Mr. T does low tech. See, he knows what it's about. But us, that's the end of the listener supporter mailbag. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing how this works. Yes, I know. I know. I can just go. I can get set up on whatever platform. But again, here in the U.S., it's a pain. Send them all these pictures of your drivers. I've already done that once. And my crap got shut down. So I <laughs> don't really want to do it. And then and then every year I have to file these tax forms you know, for my crypto. I, I, don't, I don't like messing with it. I'm really trying to go the low-tech option, so I don't have to do that anymore. It may not work. I may be forced to do it anyway. I don't know. I remember way back in the day, you know, and people, by the way, like I said, that was it for listeners support a mailbag. We're three minutes in and I'm done asking for money. I did the intro. I'd done the whole, you know, shilling for putting something in the offering plate. And I went through listener support a mailbag just like that. See, I don't spend very much time even. But I do. I remember back in the day, sometimes people would be like, you know, if you just had a P.O. box, I don't I don't understand all that cryptocurrency. They don't want to learn it. Don't want to mess with it. Don't have anything to do with it. If you just had a P.O. box, I got a P.O. box. Send something to it. <laughs> Send something to it. 
Anyway, that's enough of that. Y'all don't care about that. Y'all don't want to hear. Y'all don't too. Let's get rolling with the show. We got to keep it rolling. Let's try. I was thinking the other day about how silly I think a lot of times about how silly, simplistic people can be. I'm being generous. So I ain't going to lie. Some days I'm like y'all. I'm just like all the rest of y'all. Some days I look at the world around me and I'm just like, you know, people are just stupid. <laughs> I'm being generous. People can be very simplistic. Shall we say very simplistic? I'm just thinking about how silly it is. How people will oftentimes like, you know, and maybe this is just an American thing. Again, I'm in the U.S. and and this is just like clown world ground zero. So it may not be as bad where you live. So so bear with me if, if you're not at ground zero of clown world. This is where all clown emanates from to the rest of the world. Like if you're on the periphery of the clown, you don't understand that at ground zero, it's worse. You might be worried about the clown radiation affecting your mental health. But if you're just basically annihilated with clown here at ground zero. So it may be worse for me. Than it is. But one silly thing is the way in which, because people here in the U.S. especially, they, they think in such simplistic terms. I always say, you know, everything to an American, they, which if you don't live in America, you understand, but for the average American, everything boils down to either a Hollywood superhero film or whatever, a Hollywood movie, or a sports ball game. That is the way the average American views the world. They just want to know which side they're supposed to cheer for. They don't want to hear about a complicated, nuanced, foreign policy thing they just want to know who's the bad guy and who the good guy and they start from the default position that the u.s is the good guy this is why they're so easily manipulated they 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 start with the position that the u.s is the good guy so who's the latest bad guy well it doesn't take a lot to figure out that all the government has to do is point to the, this person's the latest bad guy they're a threat to our freedom democracy values of who we are in a rules-based order they go along with it because they don't want to hear a bunch of complicated nonsense. They don't want to hear, well, you know, you have to understand this is, you know, this is stimulant. You know, this uh, uh, comes from, you know, these earlier things brought these things about. And they, they don't want to hear about that. They just want to hear who the latest Hitler is. <laughs> when are they ever going to let Hitler rest in peace? They always have to, whoever's the latest bad guy, you ever notice, this is why you always have this whole thing, you know, this, because they understand it's understood among the manipulators that the average American just wants to know who the bad guy is. And they've all been indoctrinated through film. The ultimate evil bad guy ever is Hitler. So that's why they always do this, you know, whoever the latest Xi Jinping, Putin, uh, Assad in Syria. He's the latest Hitler. There's a lot of Hitlers. There's Hitler every, Hitler behind every bush because that is the average American. That is their ultimate evil boogeyman bad guy is Hitler. So all they got to do is they got to hear about who Hitler is now. Always. They have this simplistic way. They just want to know who the bad guy is. They want to know which sports team they're supposed to root for. As an extension of this, I was saying about how silly it is. Because for a lot of people, they will base their views simply on where other people they don't like, you know, what they think. You know, I mean, it's, they, an example of this is we will have these 
people here in, in America, this is going to be largely normally conservative types, bless their heart. And if you ask them, why do you support Israel? You know, look, look what Israel's doing to the Palestinians. I mean, this is so in your face. I don't know how anybody of any good moral conscience could, you know, could be okay with it. I mean, you, you just, it's in your face that what they're doing to these people is just wrong. I mean, I don't care what you think of Palestinians or, or what you think of Middle East policy. This is one of those things that's so in your face. Anybody with any kind of moral compass can simply look at it and say, well, that's wrong. And yet they'll sit here and, and cheer for and blindly support Israel. And a lot of times, if you ask them, if you press them on it, what it'll come down to is, well, they see these shit libs, they see these leftists protesting against Israel. So they compute that as that means I have to be for Israel because I don't like these people. These people have been calling me names and, and opposing me and destroying the country for years now. So if they support the Palestinians, then that means Israel is the good guy. You see what I'm saying? This is that simplistic way that people will, will think. Instead of just being able to look at this and say, well, you know, the, it doesn't matter what leftists think. Obviously, what, what is happening here is, is horrible. You, that's just morally, you got to be against that. But they don't do that. They want to simply say, well, leftists are protesting against Israel, so that means Israel must be the good guy because a couple years ago, leftists were constantly protesting against white people, against the patriot, whatever. They were basically condemning me every day. So that means Israel is the good guy. It's laughable, I know, because it's so silly, but that's the way a, a lot of Americans view the world. They just, they're trying to put things into this simplicity. They're either who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and which sports team am I supposed to root for? And if the leftists say that what Israel's doing wrong, that that means what Israel's doing must be absolutely right because leftists are against it and leftists are always bad. They never, it never dawns on people with this sort of thinking that what they're doing is they're surrendering their own autonomy to the very people that, you know, they, they, they will say, well, these are my opponents. These are their enemies. And yet they are surrendering their own autonomy to those people because they're letting what those people support dictate their views on an issue you see they're they're letting though what they're they're just basing their views simply on what these other people are saying instead of like having a view all their own i don't mean to just pick on conservatives in fact if anything with conservatives it's kind of a tough love thing because I mean, your average run-of-the-mill conservative they, they mean well they, they really do I'm not talking about the shills on TV or, or conservative politicians. They're, they're just, they're playing their role. They're just playing game. I'm talking like run-of-the-mill conservative, but they, they, they by and large mean well. And I don't mean to let shit libs off the hook either, because you see these leftists protesting for the Palestinians against Israel. They don't have a nuanced view of this either. They just have simply been programmed to see things through a certain prism all they're really at the end of the day they're looking at this and they're seeing brown people being slaughtered and bombed by what they would perceive as white people so that means these people are 
the victims here. Now, they happen to be right, but they don't they couldn't articulate that beyond simply the this the 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 view they're seeing of this is these brown people are being victimized by white people. So they know which sports team. <laughs> they know which sports team to cheer for. They know who the good guy in this movie is. Really, I, I'm telling you, Americans view things through this prism. The average American. Y'all don't. What's my sports team? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? The world is their movie. That's why a lot of them get on social media and they act like they're a, a movie star or a celebrity. So that's the way they view the world. Because of this simplistic uh, way of thinking, like I said, all of these people are very easily manipulated. Oh, how many? I, I've heard the thing, and where you know Jews will will ask, usually conservative white Americans, "Well, y'all had your war against the American. Y'all y'all did what y'all did to the Indians. Why can't? Why are you sitting here now wagging your finger at us?" For doing what we're doing to the Palestinians. It's a good shutdown emotional argument because your average white conservative American isn't going to have a response to that. Gee, yeah. Well, uh, uh, uh. well, for starters, most of the land was not being used by anybody. You just had these nomadic tribes wandering around. You know, second of all, this whole Hollywood notion of you know, the noble Indian living at one with the land is a made up BS nonsense. And finally, and this is the big stickler where your average conservative American is going to have a problem. Yeah, the government screwed the Indians over. Now, I'll say it. How many deals did the government do? They say, OK, look, we'll give you this entire state and this will be yours. We'll leave you alone. It was like <laughs> The 1800s version of a two-state solution. And just like Israel, oh, but wait a minute. We discovered some resources on that state that we told you and signed this treaty and said, y'all could go live here and we'd leave you alone. So now we're going to have to come in here and shoot you and take your shit. You see, they can't, they can't do that because now the good guy has become the bad guy. The U.S. government would, would renege on a deal? Say it ain't so. If you're going to sit here and morally say is morally wrong for Israel to bomb the Palestinians and, and kill these civilians that have no way of defending themselves, then, you know, in the back of your mind, maybe that whole dropping two atomic bombs on an already defeated Japan wasn't exactly the most morally high position for your good guy country to have taken, is it? Maybe firebombing Dresden was a little out of bounds, huh? And they can't do that. They cannot do that because they have to look at it as the good guy is the good guy. And Bogle America is the good guy. We have an eagle and everything. I mean, what says good guy like having a screaming eagle? Stars and stripes. What are you talking about? They saved six million American lives by not having to invade Japan that was ready to surrender. They don't want to deal with this. It's got to be the good guy versus the bad guy. I've heard for years, I, I've heard this claim, you know, well, the, the Jews, you see, there was nothing there. It was just desert. And they came in and settled. You see, because they're settlers. You, you Americans know what settlers are, right? Went out on the prairie and started farming. They'll see, the Israeli settlers are no different. 
They went and there was just this empty desert. And they went in and built vineyards and towns just like the American West. Only oftentimes they didn't. That's not what Israeli settlers do. They go find a place, a vineyard being run by Palestinians for generations, and they shoot them or run them out of their own house and their own property at the point of a gun and then say, now this is ours. Not exactly the same thing, is it? Well, that's all too complicated. I can't, I can't think about all of that. The world is a complicated place. It is. The world's a complicated place. Very seldom are you going to wind up with one group of people is an absolute villain. <laughs> one group of people is an absolute villain, and this other group of people are absolute saints. It's just not the way the world works. There's going to be some nuance there. Yes, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I understand group behaviors are a thing. Yes, I, I get that. I, I Believe me, I know. We talk about this all the time. I get that. But this absolute Hollywood good guy versus absolute Hollywood villain world simply simply does not exist. There's always, when you're talking about, especially talking about foreign policy things, there, you know, there's, there's reasons behind what people do. Now, I'm talking about the ultimate Hollywood villain, Hitler. But, I mean, just a passing understanding of the way Germany lost World War I and the way Germany was treated after World War I. I mean, if it wouldn't have been Hitler, it would have been somebody else. I mean, at some point in time, people reach a breaking point and enough is enough. There's something freeing, though, about not, you know, letting what you look at something and the way you view something be influenced by anybody. Whether it's people, you know, you normally agree with on something else or people that are normally in opposition to you. You can just look at it and say, well, it doesn't matter what this group of people thinks about it. I still say this is morally wrong. This is, this is not right. The way these people have been treated for years, that's not right. There's just, you can sit there and try to spice it up and, and, and fluff it and spin it all you want to. But at the end of the day, the way these people are being treated is not correct. That, that's not right. Anyway, you know, and, and looking back, because I was just sitting here thinking about, you know, how the role that, uh, you know, the way, I mean, Americans are generally throughout history, they're always lied into war. The government always lies their way into war because the every war that America gets involved in, they don't have any reason to be involved in it. So there's just vast majority of them are in places that really don't affect the U.S. at all as a people, as, as a country. You have these oceans on both sides and throughout history now, less so today, and I think that's going to come back and bite people on the ass. But to convince Americans that, you know, they've got to go across, they've got to go across the ocean to fight these horrible, evil enemies, they have to be lied into. This is where the war propaganda always comes in, and it's over and over. You know, throwing babies out of incubators, you know, and, and people, it's, it's gotten so ridiculous at this point that people are a little more skeptical. I mean, the whole uh, narrative of the Palestinians, what beheaded 40 babies, that, that one fell, fat, f- fell flat very quickly. You know, but I mean, all throughout history, you know, the U.S. lies their way into war. And yet people fall for it over and over. I got to go fight them over there so we don't want to fight them over here. Yes, thank goodness. We're not speaking Vietnamese today because 
because the boomer generation got sent over there to get blown up and screwed up or whatever, fighting for our freedom against. I'm not speaking Vietnamese, thanks to their sacrifice. I don't know. This simplistic way of viewing things. You know these people have to suffer from cognitive dissonance like horrible. I, I did in fact I believe it was the Friday Daily National Show this past Friday talking. I was focused primarily like on on conservatives and 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 you know talking about, for instance, you know, the come and take it thing. And then, you know, on the other side they got the sticker of how they support the police and they don't stop and think, well, if they did decide to come take your gun, who do you think they're going to send? So you're going to have this 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 contradiction. Your undying love for the police or your undying love for your guns because they're going to, you know, who do you think if the government decided to come take your guns, who do you think they're going to send? It's kind of the same way, you know, uh, uh, with with the leftists. You know, they, they operate on the same, much the same programming. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Which sport team do I need to root for? And for a lot of these white leftists, brown and black people are always the good guy, no matter what. If, if they, if they hear of some story, you know, where, where the police, for instance, shoot a black suspect, then that automatically means the black suspect is the victim here. They can't look at, well, what was going on? I mean, anybody with any kind of reasoning skills looks at the whole George Floyd thing and it's like, you know, I'm sorry, he, he, but but this guy died of a fentanyl overdose. That That is, is what it is. Now, after that, you had this incident where I believe it was in Memphis and these five cops literally beat this guy to death. But the five cops were also black, so that didn't that didn't make the that didn't make the programming. That didn't really make the news cycle, because it has to be this white is victimizing black people. Now it runs into a cognitive dissonance because at the end of the day, these very same white liberals that live in by and large nice, safe, gated communities somewhere, probably on mom and daddy's money because most of them are young. At the end of the day, they know, they know they're not going to go hang out in the hood after dark, probably at all. <laughs> you look at where they do their protests. They do their protests in nice, safe areas. They don't got to go protest through the hood because that's dangerous. And on an instinctual level, they know this, but, but they just pretend they don't see it. They just pretend they don't notice it. But it's got to bother them. It's got to. It's got to have an effect on them. It's got to be like a cognitive dissonance here. They know. They know that they're not going to go hang out at the Bucket of Blood Lounge in the hood on a Saturday night because they're not going to last very long. Because they have this simplistic view: black good, white bad. There's no in between. There is no in between: black good, white bad. So if there's any dynamic here, no matter what black does, black is always good. And no matter what white does, white is always bad. You see, it's that same Hollywood movie sports team mentality is just reflected in a, perhaps a slightly different manner for these people. This is one of the reasons, by the way, don't don't be asking me about waking people. up. I used to have that naive view, you know, years ago. You'd have heard me saying, you know, we got to wake people up. Yeah, I don't. I, I abandon that. I, I always say, if you're in pursuit of truth, you're going to have to be willing to say I was wrong about something because you're not right about everything, and you're going to have to hit a spot where you say, you know what, I'm wrong about that, and you got to be able to abandon that. 
Is it a number of years ago? You'd have heard me saying the answer. We got to wake people up. People got to wake up. And and some people still believe that. And, and, you know, people that I like, you know, they still believe that they're going to quote unquote wake people. I don't believe that. And again, maybe this is just an American thing. But when I look around at people and, and like what we have discussed today, the average American, the way they view the world around them, the way they develop uh, their, their views on the world around them, whether it's foreign or domestic, you can wake them up. I, I don't. If you ask me, are you doing what you do, Dan? Because you wish to wake people up. No. No, I'm not. That, because that's a fool's errand. You know, several years ago, I'd have said, yes, I mean, we got to wake people up. But see, I've abandoned that idea because that's just silly. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but but phew, people that are viewing the world as, no, no, this is my sports team. And it doesn't matter if they have a losing season or not. I'm still, I'm a loyal to the team. This Hollywood bad guy is trying to take away my freedom and democracy from the Hollywood good guy. I mean, yeah, the U.S. has its problems, but, you know, we're still the global good guy. People view the world like that. You ain't going to wake them up. They, they're, they're, they're not asleep. Somebody didn't drug them into being asleep. They're asleep because they want to be asleep. That's the way they want to view the world. You ain't going to wake them up. They're going to fight you tooth and nail because they don't want to be woken up. This is the way they want to view the world. That's their choice. It's their decision. I I do what I do because I think the truth itself matters. Doesn't matter how people react to it. And I, I share this not to be like, you know, I, this isn't like I'm bragging on myself. I'm sharing this with because I think if you have this attitude as well, it's going to help you be more mentally, you know, sound, you know, not it, it won't bother you as much. The truth in and of itself, regardless of how people react to it or whether people accept it or deny it or, or, or whatever, those things are irrelevant. The truth itself has intrinsic value because it is the truth. The truth should be spoken because it matters. It doesn't matter in the context of what people are going to believe because people are morons. I'm sorry. They just are. But the truth itself matters. That. You know, and that's something that's that's worth speaking. It's something worth standing up for. You know, it, it's worth understanding how the world around you works as you seek the truth. That is a, that is a, a worthy accomplishment. Anybody can just sit here and and invent a bad guy and a good guy and cheer for one side over the other. That's for that's for other people. That isn't for you. That shouldn't be for you anyway. We need to get into this week's Christian-specific segment. The time. Time flies by when you're having fun. You know what to do. Let's go. Let's just keep rolling. We got we got more ground to cover. You know what to do. Get in there. Fill those pews. Let's get into this week's sermon here at the Parish of the Patriots. And by the way, as I was just getting paused, paused for a moment to uh, prepare for today's Christian-specific segment, I, I was reminded because I, I wanted to read a little out of the Bible start off just just a little dab here but i was reminded of when i was a kid and and i went to sunday school and how i didn't enjoy it very much i didn't enjoy it very much and 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 i think one of the reasons for that is they literally they real they literally treated it like school i i remember because i was flipping through finding this bible verse and 
and I remember that like instead of going through and like and and really spending time, you know, reading basically like we do here, you know, and trying to learn and understand what this means, how we apply it to our life, so on and so forth. We had to do drills like we would have tests. And, and, and I remember one of the drills was we had to recite the order that the books of the Bible were in. You know, we had to do memory tests, basically. <laughs> I don't know how the Sunday school teacher came up with the idea that, you know, it, it would really help us understand God if we could memorize the order that the books <laughs> that the books of the Bible are in. And, and we can recite those back. You see, then we're going to be closer, <sighs> closer, closer to God. Anyway, that doesn't have anything. Don't worry. That doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to discuss. What we're going to discuss today. I do want to look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4 and then kind of use that as a jumping off point. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, I could sit here and point at this and say, well, obviously the time has arrived. You know, we, this is definitely where we're at. The people surround themselves with, they pile up to themselves false teachers to fill their itching ears with what they want to hear. But that's actually kind of, like I say, using it as a jumping off point. It's it's not what you think. With reading that, you probably think, well, he's going to talk about how people won't accept sound doctrine anymore. But actually what I wanted to use this as a jumping off point for is what does it mean to be prepared in season and out of season? See, he says to be prepared in season and out of season because a time will come when they won't accept sound doctrine. They're just going to surround themselves with a bunch of experts to tell them exactly what they want to hear, to fill their itching ears with what they want to hear. The truth is always hard because it's the opposite. People don't want to hear it. People always want to have somebody that'll sit around and tell them, oh yeah, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. Well, you're great. You just need to keep on keeping on. And that's that's not sound doctrine. But what does it mean to be in, you know, prepared in season and out? Because even though obviously we've arrived at the time where people are very, you know, resistant, they don't want to hear sound doctrine. We still have to be prepared. We still need as believers to be prepared to give sound doctrine, to, to, to demonstrate, to give testimony about this hope, this gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? How do we do that? I think that is, is, is something important to think about and consider. Now, when you talk about being prepared in season, out of season, to give testimony about the gospel, to give testimony about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, I think it's a mistake to interpret that as literally going around like you're at work and everybody's sitting around the coffee pot and you become that really cringe, annoying person that everybody's like having their nonsensical chatter, you know, about the game over the weekend, you know, the, they're talking about the big football game, everybody's sitting around the break room at work and you're that one annoying guy that you, goes... You know who scored the longest touchdown ever? And everybody just silent because they know what you're going to do because you always do this. 
No, tell Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus scored the longest touchdown. Let me tell you how Jesus scored the longest touchdown because he went to the cross for your sins. And everybody's like, yeah, OK, thank you very much. That's not, not what we were talking about, but but thank you, cringe dude in the break room. Don't be cringe dude in the break room. That's not how you give testimony. The number one way, this one thing I think really we as believers so often miss how, you know, because we do, we, we get thinking that, oh, we have to literally be talking about it all the time. But we give a testimony about Jesus Christ and the hope we have every single day to everybody around us by how we live our lives. We, we really do. We give a testimony. People, when, instead of being cringe, dude, in the break room that nobody wants to hang out with because he's going to find some way to shoehorn Jesus into any conversation. So everybody's just already, they don't even listen to this dude because he always talks about Jesus at the weirdest, most awkward, inopportune times. I have nothing to do with Jesus. Instead, you'd go about your life and you live your life. And, and, and the way you live your life, the people around you are looking and it's like, you know, this guy, he's one of these people that like, if he tells you he'll come over here and help you with this project at work, he's going to do it. I mean, he stands by his word. He does what he says he will. His word means something. You know, uh, he's, he's, you know, he'll, if something's wrong, if something's not right, he'll, he'll speak up when everybody else is afraid to, he'll speak up and say, well, that's not right. In other words, you give your greatest testimony about Jesus by how you live your life every day. Now, with 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 that in mind, you know, how do we go about it? I mean, and, and I believe one of the things that's really important is having what I say, having an orderly mind, you know, having your mind in order, keeping things in perspective. It always comes back to the truth. Keep things in perspective. You know, well, keep keep your mind on the things that matter, which is going to be the truth. We get so sidetracked. And you think about the times when, you know, say you you embarrass yourself. The Bible warns against being short tempered. It says you're not you you shouldn't be short tempered. But nobody asks, why is that? Well, because you embarrass, embarrass yourself. You get mad, you get frustrated working on something, for instance, and instead of just taking a break, walking away from it, or going and doing something else, coming back to whatever you were working on the next day when you're not frustrated and it's probably going to all work together then because you're not aggravated. Instead, you start yelling, cussing, throwing things, and everybody sees this. You see, your mind is out of order. Why? You, you don't have an orderly mind, and, and you've short-tempered, you, you know, and you're doing something that you wouldn't normally do. I mean, if you're walking around not angry and frustrated, if you're not angry, then you're not going to be yelling and cussing and everybody's looking at you side-eyed. And then, like, after you're not mad, you're thinking, man, I really made an ass out of myself. A lot of the things we're instructed about in the Bible, when you really think about it, they just make common sense. Why does the Bible warn against drunkenness? Well, because, and, and to be clear, drunkenness is drunkenness. It, you know, taken too much wine, as is written in some places. And you'll have some certain denominations that mean you should never touch any sort of alcohol whatsoever. But that's not what it says in the Bible. Jesus turned water into wine. But we are instructed against drunkenness. Why? Because it's no different. When you get drunk, and, and probably all y'all are old enough that at some point in time you have, and you got so... <laughs> 
You got so drunk that the next day you had to go around and do the apology tour, you know, where like you go back around the next day and you see your friends that were out with you the night before and you're like, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, 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 I got I got a little shit face last night and I uh, I may have said some things and, and, and they're like, dude, you, you cussed everybody out and ran out across the parking lot, buck ass naked. What you talking about? what are you talking about you may have gotten a little out of hand you you went way past the line it's embarrassing because you wouldn't normally cuss everybody out and run across the parking lot of the bar buck ass naked but you see because you got drunk you lost control of yourself and you did things you wouldn't normally do it's not an actual somebody who didn't know you saw you in that moment would not have an accurate representation of who you are as a person they'd be like man that guy's a fool but you're not actually a fool but you are in that moment you see, it's a lie. It, you took somebody who lives actually a normal, perhaps upright life, but in that moment, you're presenting a lie to whoever sees you because you're doing things and acting in a way that you wouldn't normally do. And you, you know, so these are obvious things that that you should avoid. Obviously, uh, you know, try to be disciplined enough to where you're not short-tempered and you know, avoid drunkenness. Things that are pretty, pretty obvious, uh, obvious on their, you know, on their face. But we also need to have an orderly mind. We need to have our thoughts in order. We, we need to have an orderly mind. And how do we do that? Well, for instance, you're going to be more likely to get angry when you're hungry and tired, frustrated. These, these are things that you should recognize are going to be a contributing factor. And, and in understanding that, you can kind of head it off at the pass. You, know, you, you, some, you, you come home and you're hungry, you're tired, you had a bad day at work. Your wife is not fixing your favorite meal of, <laughs> of all time. And you're like, I got to come home. I'm tired. I've been through a hard day. And she's fixing me this crap. You might be tempted to say, are you out of, you know, just, just pick it up off the stove and go dump it in the trash. So you better fix something else. I ain't eating this shit. But see, you'd feel bad about that the next day, wouldn't you? Because you'd be like, man, that, that was, I, I made, I, that was kind of an ass move there. I, I shouldn't have done that. But see, you should reckon you might have that urge, but when that urge and that temptation comes, you say, wait a minute, hold on. No, I, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I've had a frustrating day at work. This is what's going on here. This isn't about, I don't like this stew that she's making very much. It, it, that isn't even anything. That's just some little thing. Because I understand that I'm tired, frustrated, had a bad day at work, hungry. I recognize these things. So, you know, why am I going to make this a big deal? I'm just going to go take a shower. I'll feel better after I take a shower. And I'll come back out. I'm going to eat this damn stew that I don't really like very much. But I'm going to eat it without a whole lot of complaint because I'm hungry. And even though it ain't my favorite, you know, when I'm not hungry anymore, then all of a sudden it's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. And you, if you get to an orderly mind where you kind of keep these things in perspective, in other words, keep your eye on the truth, you, you'll have times when shortly thereafterwards, you took a shower, you're a little feel a lot better now, and you ate the stew, even though it's not your favorite thing in the world. And you'll sit there and think, man, I'm glad I didn't make an ass out of myself by complaining about the damn stew. Turns out she changed the recipe up a little bit, and actually it wasn't that bad. She made some bread to go with it, and actually with the bread, it wasn't that bad. 
I'm glad I didn't make an asset. What if I would have followed that urge and just threw it off the stove and made an ass out of myself? Man, that'd have been embarrassing, you know? I believe the central tenet in trying to keep your thoughts and trying to keep your mind in order is to stay focused on the truth. Um, you know, what is the truth? When you when you try to stay focused on the truth, you know, in, in all aspects of your life, you're gonna have you're gonna keep a perspective. And I think by that very you know, by that very thing, your your thoughts, your mind is gonna be in order. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about this comparing it to modern, you know, what we have today, modern psychiatry. I believe psychiatry is a complete hoax. I, I, I do. I believe it's 100% quackery. I think it's basically, the. It, it's just like, well, what has become of most of the healthcare profession as a whole, it's a whole racket to write you a prescription. You know, you, 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 you're depressed. Say you're depressed all the time or you're, you have anxiety. So you go see your therapist. You go see a psychiatrist. And, and what are they going to do? They're going to want to write you a prescription. They're going to write you a prescription. They're going to give you some drugs. But is that really the answer? Because your life hasn't changed any. I mean, they're going to give you a prescription to make you feel better about yourself or about the world around you. But you haven't actually fixed the problem, have you? If you just if you have a constant, if you have constant pain and you take painkillers, I mean, you can cover up the symptoms for a while, but you haven't actually fixed the problem. Maybe you you know, there's something wrong with you physically. Maybe your mind is out of order, but they just want to write you a prescription. And I don't believe that's the proper answer. If you think about it, if you walk down, if you live in one of these shithole cities and you walk down the sidewalk and you see one of those homeless people laying there bombed out on fentanyl and their legs rotting off because they're taking that trank or whatever the hell it is. And they lay in there with slobber running out of their mouth, you know, inside their mind, they think they're happy. They're like, man, the world has gone away. I feel so good. We look at those people. These drugged out people, you see the videos are all over the Internet and you see these drugged out zombie people walking around and nobody stops to consider that in their mind, they're doing that because in those people's mind, they're they're in heaven on earth. They're in bliss. They're in bliss. Their life is just so blissful. Why, they feel so good until the drugs wear off. Everybody looks at these homeless people wandering around with their limbs rotting off and, and bombed out on dope and says, well, that's a horrible thing. But it's just a more extreme example of if you go to the psychiatrist, he's going to write you a prescription and do the same damn thing. You may not be a zombie, but it's the same thing. They want to write you a prescription and give you a drug to trick you into thinking you feel better. When not a damn thing has changed in your life, nothing in your life has changed for the better. You're just now you're just bombed to a certain extent. I mean, you may be still functional, but you're taking drugs to trick yourself into thinking that the problem has been addressed when the problem hasn't been addressed at all. And, and of course, the answer is always the same, isn't it? You go to these people. If you go to these people, it's just like doctors will try to do the same thing. All these people do the same thing. You know, these people, you, you talk to people and they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, I've been in therapy. I've been seeing a psychiatrist for the last 15 years. And it's like, well, it doesn't sound like he's doing much of a job. You know, he didn't fix you. You've been having to see him. They, of course, want to keep these people coming back in. Got to keep them coming. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week, Sarah. You come in here next week and we'll sit down and talk some more about how you feel. We'll see if we need to alter your medication. They ain't fixing a damn thing. They keep It's a money scam. 
to where they keep you coming in office and they can bill you and also making that money off of those prescriptions. And they don't fix anything. They don't fix any. They're not fixing any of the underlying issues. Oh, they'll have you sit down and whine about your childhood and and tell you, oh, yes, you need to uh, look at your. You see, it's not your fault. It's because of your childhood. You had a bad childhood. They're never going to mention that, you know, probably everybody else around you, probably the majority of those people on some varying levels had a shitty childhood, too. Maybe not as bad as yours. Some of them may have had a whole lot worse than you, and yet they're managing to function in life, and your dumbass isn't. Why? They're not going to tell you that. They're just going to keep you coming next week, and we'll talk about how you feel some more. Maybe adjust your medication. They're not fixing the issue. you got to have your mind in order. you got to have your mind in order. The answer is always the truth. I, I think one of the just really key things that Jesus said was the truth will set you free. And people read that and they just think he's talking about going to heaven. The truth will set you free. That's kind of an absolute statement. It will set you free from what? It will set you free from a lot of things. Whatever's got you bound, whatever's got you captive, the truth is the answer. You may not understand it, but if you keep seeking it, you'll finally come around to being like, you know, the answer here is the truth. I believe the truth is the answer to having an orderly mind. But I'm very anxious. I suffer from anxiety. What are you anxious about? If you come to realize that life is about choices, you know, if you're anxious because you need to make a decision, then just make the damn decision. Quit agonizing over it. Sometimes there's no good decision. Just just. Make the best one, pick the best one, and live with it and move forward. Then there's nothing to be anxious about because you already made the decision, right? If the answer is there's actually no decision to be made here, you're just worried about what's going on in the world around you that you have no way of affecting or changing or influencing, then then let that go because the truth is you don't have any way to change that. We live in a declining empirical shithole, but you know, there's nothing you can do to change that. Why feel anxious about it? Why feel all mentally disturbed about it and, and, and just lay awake at night, not sleeping because you're so you know upset over it. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Sometimes I'll get caught up in political conversations with people, you know, and of, of various levels and intensity. And at the whole end of the deal, sometimes people will say, man, I'd, uh, you know, what do you do about it? And my answer there, they're, oftentimes they're surprised because my answer is nothing. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. What should we do? Well, I, I recommend getting as close to the Lord as you can and living the best life you can because there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you, you don't have that sort of power. You have power over yourself. You don't have power over other people. I, I suggest uh, you live your best life you can. And and even though the world's gone to crap and people around you, their character is, is garbage, you be the best person you can be because you can't change how other people decide to act. If you can break things down to what really they are about, then you can deal with these things like anxieties and and. And even depression and, and things such as that. You've got to get to the truth. What are you depressed about? Is there a decision you need to make? No. Well, then understand you can't control other people. You control yourself. So if there's nothing here where you're needing to make a decision, then what are you on about? Accept the truth. Walk away from this stuff.
Now, I realize I say this, and, and some people would point and say, well, you can't condemn all of psychiatry over that sort of thing. I mean, look at people. You got these really crazy people, like schizophrenics. You know, they're, 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 I mean, they're crazy, crazy. What about those people? I would say, well, how, how, how much help has modern psychiatry been to those people? You know, if you sit here and say, yeah, you know, we used to view those people as demon possessed, <laughs> you know, or something such as that. Oh, see, see how backwards that is. But then I would follow that up and say, well, how, how much more effective has modern psychiatry been? Again, they attempt to bomb them with certain medications and see if that tempers their behavior. But they, what, when it comes to the underlying condition, they say, well, there's actually no cure for that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like the answer for all crazy people is you need to drag them into the church and perform an exorcism on them or lay your hands on them and pray on them. But I mean, let's be real. Modern psychiatry is pretty much it's, it's a scam. It's a money scam. And their, their overall results, I'm sorry, they're just not, not really great. It's been my experience. The, the vast majority of people, the things they get caught up in, you know, mentally, where their mind is disordered, a lot of the times people are caught up in something of their own invention. You know, they, they, they're caught up in an idea and oftentimes it's a fantasy and they don't even realize it because maybe they start off thinking, man, what if this happened? That would be bad, you know, and instead of just dealing with it, like, well, if that were to happen, probably the best course of action I would be take would be A, B or C. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'll deal with it if, if that happens. But instead, they start spiraling into this deeper thing. Yeah, but if I did A, what then? If they did, And they start creating this whole thing, and they get all twisted up. And you're like, man, what are you twisted up? Well, you, you, I was thinking, if you did this, what if this happens? And then, you know, what if I did this because of that? But then this over here happened, and then the whole world, you know, became a mess or whatever. And it's like, dude. None of that has happened. <laughs> You're all twisted up over something that hasn't even transpired. It's all in your head. Stop. That's not the truth. When you create, I believe the term, there's term in the, in the Bible of, of wicked fantasies. You see, when you create a scenario in your mind and get yourself all twisted up in it, stop. And remember, this is a creation of your own mind. This isn't, none of that is real. You invented, you started off thinking, man, if that guy would have said this to me, you know, I would have told him this, but then what if he'd have come swung on me? And then what if I swung on him? Then if he'd have pulled a gun and then he had his whole crew there and they jumped out of the bushes and then, and then what we got in a big gunfight and then would I report it to the police? Do I just run away? And it's like, stop. You're laughing, but there's people that will do that. They'll start, they'll just create this whole thing and they're all, and they wind up getting all twisted outwardly upset. And you're like, what's going on? They create, none of that is real. None of those things has happened. They're probably not going to happen. Stop. Just, just stop. Same thing with, we were talking about, you know, psychiatrists. We're going to sit down, get on the couch, and we will talk. Let, let's discuss your childhood for the 743rd time. Look, it sounds simplistic. But it's like, it's your childhood. Get over it. Look, you were a child and the adults in your life had control over your life. You didn't. You were a child. So don't blame yourself for that. That having been said, you're all grown up now. You're making your own decisions. 
Don't sit around and say it's mommy and daddy's fault because when I was seven, I didn't get a pony or whatever the hell. I'm being, I, I realize people have real childhood issues. Besides, I'm not trying to just gloss that over. But seriously, at some point in time, does the psychiatrist ever say, you know what? You're all grown up. Quit bitching about mommy and daddy. I always say one of the things that people have to go through as they grow up, and this is real growing up. And if you haven't done this yet, then you're not grown up in your head. You're still holding on to childish things. When you're a child, you think your mom and daddy know everything. They're almost like gods in your life, which makes sense because you don't know nothing. And you're depending on them. If, if your mom and daddy don't do their job, you ain't going to eat. You ain't going to have no clothes. You ain't going to have a place to live. You're literally dependent on them for every single thing in your life. But part of growing up is you hit this point when you realize that your mom and daddy, they're, they're just people and, and, and they're screwed up people just like you are. <laughs> they're not gods. They're not omnipotent beings. That's fine for, for a five-year-old to think that way. But like now you're all grown up and you still whine him. You got to deal with the fact that your mom and daddy were just people with all the same failings and shortcomings that you now have. They probably didn't know the best thing to do. They were faking their way through it. You got to, you have to, that's part of growing up. You got to accept that. Boy, the psychiatrist will come back next week and we'll sit on the couch and we'll rediscuss your childhood for the 17th time. No, it's time to get over your damn childhood because you're all grown up now. Your childhood is never going to change the past. Let me tell you something. The past, no matter what you do, no matter what you think, no matter what you agonize over, or how much you regret it or embarrassed of it or whatever the case may be, your past is never going to change. It is what it is. You do not have the power to change that. The more time you spend sitting around going, man, if I could go back and made a different decision there. That's more time you're wasting because you can't do that. You ain't got to come back next week and sit on the couch to hear that. Because, well, no, look, most people that are seeing a therapist, a psychiatrist or whatever. They ain't the schizophrenic crazy people. I mean, hopefully those people are, too. They probably instead laying zonked out on the street on the fentanyl and train. Most people that go to these psychiatrists or whatever, there are people dealing with stuff like we're talking about today. Why? Because those are the people who can pay. See, the psychiatrist, he ain't interested in seeing the crazy person off the street with their leg rotten off that does fentanyl and trank because they ain't got no way to pay them. See, they got to <laughs> they got to keep suburban mom Karen coming in every other week because she, she's got good insurance because <laughs> they got the money to keep paying. That's, that's the truth of the matter. It's not in their financial interest to fix you. The truth is the answer. It will set you free. You can't change your childhood. You can't change the decisions you've made. You make the best decisions you can. Sometimes you're going to screw that up and you're going to live with the consequences. You keep moving forward and continue to live the best life you can and make better decisions moving forward. That's what you can do. That is the truth. Sitting around agonizing over past decisions or what other people did or are doing or may do sometime in the future. Who knows? Those things, they, they don't exist. I mean, those are, those are things you have no power, no power over. I, I started to say something right there. I started to elude something. I want to kind of circle in your past. 
basically does not exist. And you say, well, what do you mean? I remember it. Of course it exists. No, it doesn't. Can you go pick it up in your hands? Can, can, can you go and pick up and hand me your past? Can you go back if it exists? If your past exists, then why don't you go back and fix these problems? Go, go back and work on it. But it doesn't exist. It's not real. You see, you can never go back. We're always on this. This is the way time works. We're always on this trajectory forward, this trajectory to the end for us. You, you, there is no going back. That's why it's important to try to make the best decisions you can now. But your past doesn't exist because if it did, you could go and fix it. You say, well, I, I got to go back here. This is this is broken. I need to go fix that. And yet people will spend hours and hours on some quacks couch acting like they're somehow in their head going back and fixing these things. No, they're not. Stagonizing over things that really, at the end of the day, don't even exist anymore. Move on. Of course, if they told them that, then they wouldn't be able to get them back in there where they could bill them again. I kind of got off a little bit, but it all circles back in, I think. To be prepared, because I kind of wound up with extreme examples here, but this applies to you. To be prepared in season and out of season at all times. You've got to have an orderly mind. If you, if you, if your thoughts and you, you're getting pushed over here by impulses or emotions or, or whatever, your mind is not in order. You got to have your mind in order. You've got to be looking. You have to have. You've got to condition yourself to where you're looking for the truth in all things all the time. It has to kind of become a habit, you know. And in so doing, you will live your life in a manner to where you are giving testimony by how you live your life. You know, people look at you. People are looking at you all the time. You don't think they are, but they're looking at you. People are paying attention to you all the time. There's someone looking over your shoulder right now. No, <laughs> here's a prescription so you don't worry about that. No, I mean, people are watching you all the time. You don't know it. People you don't even know are watching you. They see what you're doing and they, and, and they take that into their minds. And you don't even realize it. And the information they take in their mind informs that that's how they make a judgment of what kind of person you are. And if you're living the godly life, this is a testimony. Does that make sense? This is a testimony about not just your life, but about why your life is like it is. If you're living a godly life, well, it's because of the hope you have in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go around and, and being the cringe guy in the break room. You just the way you are living your life, the way you speak, the way you talk to people. I'm not talking about putting on false righteous airs, you know, and acting like, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about just how you go about your life. That is your testimony. And the way to do that on a consistent basis is having an orderly mind. And that means dealing with the truth, not getting off on these tangents and distracted by things that either don't exist at all or they're things that you have no control over. Your control is over yourself and the decisions you make. And you have to make those decisions. And y'all know I am real critical of some of these evangelical people who act like they, 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 they want to absolve themselves of any and all responsibility for decision making. They want to basically put everything off on Jesus. And when Jesus comes, he's going to fix everything. And, 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 and I don't have to do anything. You're responsible for the decisions you make. That's why you were here. It's, it's, part of the, it's part of the growing process is you have to take on these decisions. You have to take on this responsibility and make these decisions. 
and learn from them because some of them are going to be really bad decisions and some of them and you, you're supposed to learn from those, but you're not going to learn from them if you can't look at the truth. If you make a bad decision, understand that that's a bad decision. Uh, so I need to adjust my thinking so I don't make similar bad decisions in the future. Don't go around deny and act like, no, it wasn't my fault. No, you have to look at the truth all the time. See, the truth is what keeps you on a balanced, centered mind where, okay, you understand. Oh, I screwed that decision up. You, you, you can quickly assess that, understand why you screwed that up. And again, understand that sometimes when you have to make a decision, there are no good, there is no quote unquote right answer. Perhaps all of your options of what decision you're going to have to make, all of them are pretty bad. So you just got to do your best and pick the least what you view as the least bad one and, and, and live with it and go with it. Always focusing on the truth and keeping in this will center your mind and it'll be reflected to others. People all go through similar things and we always tend to individualize it and we think well nobody else has gone through this it is written and i'm doing this off the top of my head but you basically you know you're afflicted with nothing that is not common to man we individualize it no i am so special i'm the only one who feels like this i'm the only one who's gone through some but you just don't know what i've been through look it ain't that special Ain't that special? Most stuff, most stuff that people are going through, it's, it's not as uncommon as you think. Most of the stuff that people get so twisted up and wrapped up over, oftentimes it's simply a creation of their own mind. Do you have a decision to make here or no? If the answer is no, you check that box off and go. It's like those flow charts, you know, that ask the question. If yes, then you follow this path. If no, then over here. Is there a decision that you need to make? And this is why you're anxious or upset or whatever. If yes, then okay. What is the decision? What are your choices? It may be time to hurry up and pick one. It's fine if you need to think about it another day or so, but otherwise make the damn decision and move on. Don't, don't agonize over it. At some point in time, you're going to have to make the decision. If the answer is no, then, then this you follow this chart over here and it's well, what the hell are you going on about then? Because if, if there's not a decision for you to make, then there's really you're upset about something that you have no control over. And that doesn't make any sense. And that leads to a disordered mind. We're going to wrap up on that note. Hope you got something out of it. Hope you enjoyed the whole show. Always enjoy these discussions. I thank you uh, for stopping by, for tuning in week in, week out. Oh, again, if you get something out of the show, drop something in the plate. That means something. I, I, I really appreciate that as well. It all helps. Is much appreciated. Uh, be sure and check out all our content here on Radio Albion, uh, Monday through Friday. I always remind everybody we, we've got something up new Monday through Friday. Dr. Johnson will be up tomorrow with the Orthodox Nationalist. And he'll be back on Thursday with the Daily Nationalist. I'll be here on Friday to wrap up your week with the Daily Nationalist on Friday as well. So thank you again. Uh, hopefully we'll see you next week right here for the Parish of the Patriots. <laughs>